pretty heavy one this week, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry. No, Bit no. of a change from the Muppets. <laughs> Certainly was. Oh, right. um, but <laughs> I'm going to say one of the best films we've seen so really? far. Really? Yeah, yeah. In a uncomfortable way. I was slightly disappointed with it. Oh, <laughs> well. Mm, not harrowing enough. It was pretty harrowing. <laughs> what did you two think? I don't actually have a thumbs up, thumbs down type opinion of it. I I, I found it really engaging and I wasn't bored watching it. Um, Do you think it was a good film? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, but I think there are maybe have been there's maybe better representations of Yeah. Civil War and genocide. Hmm. But yeah, good. Amber? Yes, I liked it. Um, and I think I liked it because it is different from other films that we've seen in the sense that I believe this is meant to be some kind of historical documentary. Mm-hmm. And mm. I, I, I enjoy learning about history. Yeah, sure. Mm. Yes, I'm happy every time that I'm aware of more things about it. I think there's some controversy over the accuracy of it for for tiny things not with the genocide but I'm sure we'll get on to that. Oh, yeah, sure. I I never take uh, movies to be very accurate. I never think that movies For some reason I thought you were going to go the opposite way with that. (laughs) No, I never never think of movies as being being an accurate representation Mm. of, of, Mm -hmm. of an event. Nor do I take take books nor anything to be completely uh, accurate anyway. Very um, sensible. But I suppose it um, I suppose it gives us a broad idea of what could have happened. Mm. Or at least it makes us aware that yeah. something happened mm. in Rwanda. Yeah. Yeah, if nothing else. Uh-huh. This made me think more about something that I only really knew about in passing before. Um, so I did not know about this. Yeah. So it was completely... Okay. About the Rwandan genocide. Exactly. Oh, interesting. I guess we were all too young to be aware of it um, when it was happening. Uh, but I, yeah, vaguely. When was it early 90s? Yeah. 94. Yeah, I was probably protected from it. Yeah, you're probably not watching the news unfiltered at that point, were you? No. I used to watch BBC Par- or the Parliament Today or whatever. Okay. It doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture you as a small child watching Parliament Day. When I got home from school, that's what my dad was watching. Oh. He used to teach me about who mm. they all were. That's good. Awesome <laughs> stuff. Conservatories. <laughs> but yeah, I don't imagine they would let me watch the news. Mm. That yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> So my dad made me watch this film when I was about 11, 12. What? Okay. And I haven't seen it since then, and I I basically okay. remembered nothing. Like, none of the scenes were really familiar okay. to me in any way. Um, so it was like watching it for the first time, which was hmm. nice. Um, Presumably because you repressed the memories. That <laughs> <laughs> must have been quite traumatic as a child. Oh, we watched a lot of those. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I think I built it up as my, in my head as like an amazing, amazing film. Right. And it is a very good film, I think, but I don't know. I just was expecting a slightly more from it. I don't know why. What What were you expecting? What What was missing? I think maybe it didn't seem to or like really drive home the emotional impact of what was happening. Hmm. Maybe I'm just forgetting because it was a week ago since I've watched it and I don't sure. have a good memory for these sorts of things. <clears throat> but yeah, but maybe that's one of its strengths as well. Is it doesn't really like play the violin strings too much. It's, or does it? I don't know. Stop me rambling. Someone, please yeah, interrupt. I thought it did. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I thought there was a yeah. lot of violence. Well, there's a lot of violence. Yeah. I oh, I agree with Laura, and I I think it's a good thing, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> which is that this was a an absolutely horrifying event. Mm-hmm. And most of the film was set somewhere that, at least for the moment, was peaceful. Mm-hmm. And mostly, we we were never actually the, the narrative and the camera never actually entered a part of 
the worst massacres. We just saw it from the edge, mm-hmm. or, or almost from this oasis in the centre of it. And that, and so it, in a way, it wasn't. They, they could have chosen to to throw the characters mm-hmm. into into really explicit scenes of violence and killing, but they they decided to to tone it down a little bit. But we saw these things that had happened, and that sort of spoke for itself. I think it was it was somehow more more effective or more engaging for mm-hmm. me not to have just explicit horror on screen, but instead to have just it display the results of what has happened and make you think we we were forced to reconstruct these scenes mm-hmm. in our own mind. We we could see what had happened and that in a way was just as chilling. Would you agree with that? Or? Yes, I hadn't thought of, of that, yes, I suppose. But you thought it was it was violent. Well I did I did think it was violent and mm-hmm. yes, maybe we did see it from the point of view of the hotel, but we did get to see some scenes of violence and people being killed. Mm-hmm. Especially I, I, I think of that time when the journalist was filming well, some somebody had mm-hmm. a footage mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. some killings. So yeah. we did see people being killed with a machete. Yeah, um, we did. And yeah, interesting that again we never saw that within the narrative. We saw a character playing it back on a camera that again had this sort of indirect. Mm. 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 Certainly a sobering film to watch. Yeah. yeah, do we actually. Do any of the characters who we are following. Are any of them killed on screen? I can't think of any. I don't think so. I don't think so. Because they certainly they beat up the guy in the the back of the the van, the, the people transporter. Yeah. Who Paul asks to look after his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assumed he was going to be killed when they dragged him off. Mm-hmm. But he seemed to. But he, he made survived, it. didn't he? Yeah, he got back to the hotel. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that... What happens to... Oh, no, Gregoire. Is it Gregoire? He just gets kind of, like, a bit slapped around by that general. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and if they... If they kept the gloves on a bit with showing us the, the murder... They they didn't hold off on showing us the hatred. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of scenes where you could. It was really shocking just seeing how how much they hated the Tutsis, and how how cruel they were being. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as the road something. full of corpses. Oh, oh with yeah. The king. <laughs> yeah, terrible. Yeah. Which George sent him along deliberately. Yeah. Which is pretty oh, yeah. sinister. Cold. Mm. Yeah, that, if ever you you want to send a message to someone, mm. yeah. Did you say that there were um, inaccuracies? Um, well, disputes over the over some of the things that happened, yeah. which is that I think it's primarily the film was made from Paul Rusesa Bank Gina's. Oh, probably not pronouncing that right. Um, his like memoirs, Paul, Paul, okay. yeah, <laughs> should have just gone with Paul. I decided to go for the whole. It's <laughs> <laughs> good, it's not. I, I appreciate it. Um, and some of the people who were there, I'm not really sure because it's from news sources that I don't really trust. Um, some of the people were saying that um, he, you know, how in the film he's giving out fake bills. Well, they, yeah. they were saying that he did actually try and charge them, or did charge them, and would turn people away who couldn't pay him to stay in the know. hotel. So it was a bit more like mercenary, a little bit more like opportunistic than we saw. It wasn't like just purely out of the goodness of his wow. heart. So, um, but I think also one of the people who disputed it was the guy who was represented as Gregoire, who was saying, mm. "That's not how this happened. I've been demonized by it, and this is actually mm. the guy himself wasn't like okay a good person." So I think. I couldn't. I don't know about definitive, like, or what other witnesses have 
said okay. anything like that. Should have been what, more than a thousand witnesses. Mm. But maybe mm. I just didn't look into the right sources and yeah. have no idea what people were saying. Sure. Should have really looked a bit further before I brought it up. <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's always in, in any kind of war and dispute, there's always mm. going to be different versions of stories. And, even down to details like that, it's going to be different interpretations. Mm. I wasn't sure until until the end of the film whether he was just like um, Jack and Rose in Titanic, whether he was a n- not even a a real person at all. Jack, um, yeah. <laughs> a smile just lit up your face for now. I think we know what film Fernando's picking. <laughs> oh, please don't! I'll cry for three days. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I we don't, can't handle two. I'm in my emotional state, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, I start crying. Oh, God, Titanic is so upsetting. Mm. Just when I it, think this was a better one, Jess. It was obviously like, yeah. far more. Well, not. But as we say, they didn't pull the heartstrings so much in yeah. this one. Uh. So I've been trying to think why I'm so like unenthusiastic about it. And I, I found the motivations for the militants on all the sides um, difficult to understand because as far as I understood basically the the rebels wanted to rise up and the military power the Hutu Hutu just wanted to kill all the Tutsi Mm -hmm. But there were ple- there were so many times they hesitated, didn't kill them. You know, like where people would be in a position of power and then not just not just kill the people. Mm. And I didn't understand why they were doing that. If your instruction is to go in and kill someone, you don't kind of. It was a bit like when, what in what like so in the scene where the one I mentioned before where. Like they interrupt the convoy of the people getting out, and they've like they're beating up the guy, mm-hmm. mm. and then there's what like three or four people in the back of the truck with machetes, and they want to just kill the twenty people that are there. Mm-hmm. Mm. So what were they? So the military organization, the paramilitary, was it the paramilitary? The police, yeah, were not officially part of the genocide of the thing, so it wasn't their motive to kill everyone. Mm. So they were gonna like. There's the potential of them getting violent against the... Wait, I'm getting confused with my sources here. Right, so we had the police, just to make this a bit clear. We had the yeah. police who were part of the official like, government, yeah. I think, yeah. who were they not were. officially trying to kill all the Tutsis. And then we had a very large sort of civilian and sort of paramilitary force yeah. that did want to kill all the Tutsis. And they were trying to get into the vans, but the police stopped them. Yeah. Yes. And they were all wearing very bright colours and stuff like that. Yeah, the Hutu power people. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was the Hutu, it was those guys in colourful shorts who got on the van mm-hmm. and then didn't just mm. kill this group of Tutsi. Mm. Mm. And I I didn't understand why they didn't do that. I couldn't... It was like at the end of the film, when at the end of a Bond film, when he stops to explain his amazing plan. Mm. It just felt like they were building tension mm. and not... It's like this is all built around massacre yeah. and they're playing on the fear of impen- impending death rather than the horror of death and I, do- I felt like that was maybe a, a decision in terms of in the filmmaking rather than in a representation of what would have happened I see. I think there was a lot of psychological torture though of the Tutsis, it wasn't just a immediate kill kind of thing, mm. although I get what you're saying that it maybe was a bit of narrative kind of like yeah. decision I mean, to try and build tension but during that scene, he was asking them for identification, right? He was demanding to know who they were, and he had just been told by the everyone in the UN, "No, there are no Tutsis here. This is a, this is full of political refugees. Political refugees, so that they wouldn't have known whether a lot of the people in that truck were in yeah. fact Hutus, and perhaps would at least have." 
tried to check and he was yelling, trying to intimidate her into giving him her name, her identity and yeah, find out just, whether any of them would succeed. Like if, I just didn't feel like that was... Mm. Like this band of rebels are suddenly demanding official identification. Mm. Just, I don't know, just little decisions like that just didn't sit right with me. No. Okay. It, it seemed realistic to me that they would have taken precautions not to kill any Hutus unless they were confirmed as collaborators. Uh, but yeah, perhaps you're right that there was they ever did the they were trying to inject drama, perhaps. Yeah, and it's already a pretty horrible situation. I don't, mm. I don't feel like you need to. Mm. I suppose that's the difficulty with any film that deals with that kind of like yeah. just horrendous subject matter. That the decisions that you make is mm. are very sensitive. Mm. You're trying to like purposefully build a narrative around it, where yeah. Sorry, I'm not very articulate today. I don't know what's happening. Okay. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> um, were there any other inaccuracies that you were aware of? One small one, which was that they said that the Tutsi and Hutu divide was... Um, was imposed by the Belgians. Yes, which it yes. was. So this is something I looked up as well. Okay. Go, but go ahead. Just that I think they said that it was purely picked out... The Belgians... Yes, that the Belgians came up with it based on, like facial features and things like that that mm. would distinguish Hutus from Tutsis. But it pre-existed, you probably find this out, pre-existed the Belgians, but it was a system of, like, class and caste, so you mm. could move between the two. It was just a system of... Like, right. Um, and then when the Belgians came, they decided that they made it sort of more inflexible. You couldn't move between them, and they also issued identification cards with Hutu yeah. or Tutsi on them, so that it was yeah. set in stone. Is that pretty much what you learned? Yeah. Mm. Um, and I, I, that surprised me a little bit because thinking back to it, the people who were, the, it was one, one particular character was saying that in the film, mm. oh, that this whole thing is completely artificial and the Belgians invented it. And I heard that as this is the voice of reason in the film. This is the filmmakers telling us that this is what happened. Mm -hmm. But actually, perhaps that was just that character's point of view. And yeah, certainly, as you say, the the Belgians I think they were did, trying to express drum that in. Yeah, just very succinctly express that this is the Belgians' fault. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which it entirely is. Yeah. Like the I think um, the second message of this film is that colonialism yeah. is has just wreaked such terrible, terrible violence on. But there, we couldn't say entirely because mm -hmm. the, this was a distinction that existed beforehand and was at, at least tied up with race. I think for for many centuries it had been a bit more structured as to you couldn't move between these classes, and only later on it became a bit more flexible. And oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think, well, they they were there. There really are genetic differences between Hutus and Tutsis on the whole, and there's a lot of evidence of of intermarriage mm -hmm. and stuff, but. Uh, yeah, they were they were the ruling class. It was like the the Normans and the Saxons in England. The Tutsis were a a minority, a sort of fifteen percent minority that was in charge, and all the kings and many of the councillors and advisors were all Tutsis. And the the Hutu were the peasants, essentially, of this pre-colonial kingdom. Um, but yeah, then a little later on, particularly when that kingdom was expanding they kind of redefined Hutu to mean kind of anyone who's in the lower class and if somebody works their way up they can become Tutsi and if somebody is Tutsi and does something wrong or ends up destitute they become Hutu but yeah then as you say the Belgians brought it utterly back to race and uh, yeah brought in all this specific measuring of noses and height and stuff is that horrible. like is that tr the nose measuring thing? I that think so, just yeah. seems so absurd. Yeah, a lot of had... colonialists oh, um, mm. did that sort of thing. Um, it it makes sense if you want to subjugate a people and you don't care about their their human rights. You yeah. mm -hmm. you pick up um, 
pick up a a group that's already in power and you ally yourself to them, put yourself in control if you're a colonial power. And um, yeah, it's a particularly horrible example of it. Mm. Yeah, but as as we saw all the way through the film, they they couldn't tell who was Hutu and who was Tutsi because it it's not at all clear, and they mm. had to check identity cards to figure out which was which, and that's yeah. So shit. Mm. Mm. And the French like arming and oh yeah, uh, financing the violent military organization. Yeah. Got a nice little surprise from Leon, though. Uh, yes, yes. Ah. didn't expect that. Did you recognise Leon the professional? Was he there? <laughs> he was the man that Paul phoned. Oh, in, okay, yes. I, I, thought, I, th- I thought he was familiar, and I was like, hmm, I, I feel like I've seen him before. <laughs> <laughs> that was him. <laughs> and I think playing a, a similarly heart in the right place, but <laughs> just just slightly hopeless and weak in the end character I was also reminded that I will never know what Joaquin Phoenix looks like because <laughs> I didn't know it was him until the credits um, me neither hmm. right I'm I, I do know who Joaquin Phoenix is yeah well <laughs> <laughs> He does have a generic white man face, though. Yeah. Yeah, white people all look the same. (laughs) Or as he put it, black women all look the same. Oh, yes, he's like, you two could be twins. Yeah. (laughs) Two completely different (laughs) women. Yeah, he was an interesting character, wasn't he? Because he was was drunk for quite a bit of it, wasn't he? And he was sort of angry and acting out, but basically was, was just jaded about how how cruel the world is and was trying to to do what he thought was right but yeah he was he was an odd one mm. the other uh, cameo was the reporter being harry potter's alter ego in the, in the ministry for magic do you know when the oh, yeah. polyjuice potion was that the reporter yeah was it yeah Oh, I didn't recognise him. I wouldn't have remembered. <laughs> oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. Quite a few uh, little... <laughs> no idea who Joaquin Phoenix is, but... <laughs> the guy that Harry Potter turns into when he goes into the Ministry of Magic. Him I can recognise. Yeah. There's a lot of... The, the white people were presented quite nicely, I thought, which was... Yeah. Uh, Again, a bit of a yeah. Like they all were trying their best, weren't they? They were all good people. They were going, oh, this what shame they're trying their best there. Yeah, I thought it was a good decision to make the UN uh, person (laughs) Canadian and not American. Hmm. I think he was Canadian. Was it? Was it an actual based on a person? Yeah, it's based on a person. Because you just, I just wouldn't believe that of like (laughs) American military. Yeah, but for some reason, the Canadian military. Oh yeah, they'll be Mm -hmm. they'll be trying to keep the peace. Mm. <laughs> okay, and that's absurd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I think another thing I read was that that was quite a good portrayal of him, although overacted, perhaps. Okay, um, okay. but he did genuinely try really hard with like his governments to get them to intervene mm. more. Mm. I, I think was that. it that they found he found he like knew about a cache of weapons and wanted to be able to go in and like intervene more, but he was stopped by the. Right. Yeah, I should really have double checked all these. Facts, but... I mean, I, sorry, go on. No, no, please. I, um, I, I can believe that people who have been posted in a place for months or years as part of a UN peacekeeping mission are going to be the ones who are trying their best mm-hmm. to, to make things okay. And it, it seemed realistic to me that whenever they were acting unfairly and coldly it was because they had orders from somebody mm. many thousands of miles away without the same perspective um, that they had to follow and that was kind of sad and maybe rubbed in that frustration that all of the the, the whites as they called mm. them that all of them that they were talking to 
were really good and were trying their best, mm-hmm. but all the ones who were just out of sight just didn't care, and there was just bureaucracy just stopping anything from happening, mm-hmm. and that was a bit heartbreaking. It was just awful when it was like on, we can do it in like two days, and it can happen in you know mm-hmm. thirty six hours time. It needs to happen now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I know you've got paperwork to fill out. Can you just do that afterwards, mate? Yeah, like, what were you going to say, Fernanda? I was just curious as what what happened afterwards. So, so what is the current state of affairs in one? So this is something I read as well. Did you read about this? Not really. I've read um, bits and bobs in actually one of my undergraduate um, modules I teach on. But you go first. Oh, you can mark my work. Um, as we saw at the end of the film the um, the the Rwandan patriotic force which were the uh, Tutsi rebels um, who had been uh, who had been exiled from the country for 20 years at that point they got in and managed to capture uh, the capital city and that was why they were safe in the end and they were able to, to get out um, they eventually went on to win that war um, because they had backing the backing of the USA and um, I think France and Belgium withdrew their support for the Hutu-led army. So in the end, the, uh, yeah, the Tutsi rebels managed to take over the whole country and the bottom line is that they're still in power in the sense that the guy who was in charge of the um, Rwandan patriotic force um, established a government and that government has stayed in power since Um, but what he did was then take power and he he wasn't completely (laughs) he wasn't a model leader at all times but he did make serious efforts to reconcile the two sides of this ethnic divide how did he what were what, what were the attempts that were made? He, firstly, he drove all the paramilitaries out and unfortunately killed many, many of them. Um, but the other thing he did was he invited a lot of Hutus to join his army and made a big point of it being the Rwandan people and a big point of this not being a, an ethnic idea. And he has since made a fairly serious rulings, I think fairly strict rulings, that rate the race of Hutu and Tutsi is something that you're not supposed to talk about in Rwanda now. You're not allowed to ask someone. It's it's at least extremely rude and at worst illegal to, to yeah. ask someone whether they're Hutu or Tutsi. The, the line is, we are all just Rwandan now. Um, so he yeah, made genuine efforts to do that. And he's still the president, and this is 25 years later, and he's won three or four elections, all of which had some kind of intimidation and some unfairness going on. But um, he he hasn't had to, I think, do anything too extreme to stay in power. And it, he, it seems that he genuinely has the support of a lot of the population. Um and it's a moderately safe place to live now. Is that fair? Mm, I think so. Why wouldn't France and Belgium be interested in supporting the Hutu uh, side? Why would they or why wouldn't they? Why would they be interested? They... So when when Belgium was in charge until the mid-60s, I think 1967, they eventually gave independence to to Rwanda, yeah, very recent. Um, and when they did, it was because there was an uprising by um, the Tutsi, who were their collaborators in colonialism, but it was the Tutsi who were pushing for independence. Um. So they turned against the Tutsi during the, the 1960s, during that whole struggle for independence, and then eventually Rwanda became independent and I'm I'm not quite sure why they continued to back the Hutus after that, um, but certainly they they had gone against the Tutsis during that uprising. I, I imagine they use the same argument a lot of Western powers do, which is that they left 
the Hutu in charge as a government and then the Tutsi at that point were rebels and they were just arming the government against rebels. Yeah, yeah that sounds okay. likely. I don't know what their motivation for that would be though if they can't if they, they weren't in charge of the country either way. I don't know yeah, why but they... Yeah, but that happens all the time. You su- support a government against a rebellion. Think about, like, mm. Syria and stuff. Oh, like so I see. Um, yeah, it's just, sure. Oh, that's the official government. We support them. Yeah, okay. And, and there's a military rebellion. Mm. Oh, it was that also makes sense. Another thing that the movie made me think was, well... Well, well, it made me question what what, what to do. As in, and I wondered if some people were thinking of fleeing the country in search of somewhere else more peaceful to live. And then I thought of all the immigrants that are fleeing con- their country in mm. Central America. Uh, and I was like, hmm. I, I, th- I think even though I've heard this argument, listen, I've heard the argument that they're fleeing violence. I think it made a little bit more sense now just because I had seen so, some yeah. scenes of violence that previously I I mean I had only theoretically heard of mm. and I was like oh this is very violent mm. <laughs> I see I see why people would like to leave their country yeah yes yeah, it's, it's difficult to imagine it being that bad Mm-hmm. Like when you hear fleeing violence, you think, ah, yeah, you know, the police are probably roughing people up a little bit. Yeah. You don't think, oh, Real people disasters. are arriving with machetes and hacking down their children. Like, mm. yeah, pretty bad. So, what I think the article that we read in Anthropology was um, on the nature of the aftermath, and again, like this. Western forces coming in and thinking they're doing really well by adhering to kind of like Western ways of dealing with trauma, which is to make everyone speak about it very openly and like address wounds of the past and things like that. Mm. So they had refugee camps that had like Hutus, perpetrators of like rape and things like that, and they're trying to like make the women confront. I'm not sure. I can't, again, this was many years oh, no. ago that I read this, but it was just one of those other things that it continued like this sort of very Western like colonial ideas of. Or not colonial ideas. So who was making that happen? I think it was the UN. Um, but I get need to double check. But you know that we do have this idea mm-hmm. of like how to deal with trauma, which is to open up and examine things that happen, work through them, process them. Yeah. Whereas that's not a universal way of dealing with trauma and can actually cause like massive damage to to dredge everything up again. Sure. This is dredging up things for individual people. And telling them you should confront these things that have happened to you, right? Yeah, what's what would be the correct thing to do? I don't know about the correct thing, but I yeah. think that we can recognise that that's a quite a cultural thing that might not just easily map onto something, especially where it's yeah, so sure. horrific, like genocide and mass rape and mass killings and yeah, it's mass, and isn't it? So there must be a mass solution, which is <laughs> yeah. So it's not worth. Yeah. thinking that there might be some individuals who need to deal with things differently. Mm. <sighs> mm. <clears throat> I just, it seems so simple from an office, you know, mm. on a bit of paper. Yeah. Like, oh, talking therapy. That <laughs> yeah. worked for me <laughs> when my dog died, so... <laughs> <laughs> That'll probably work. That's the other thing I would mm. critique the film with, was the kind of rosy ending. It gave the yeah. family, which I also don't. I think there was some disputes over how accurate that was as well. Um, apparently, For the camps were just family. the camps that they had were horrific, right? Um, whereas we kind of saw like education, yeah, things were really like organised. There was a little it? hospital, things like that. But I think it was a lot more brutal. Okay. Mm. Than that, and then it ends nicely with them all being reunited and off punch. they go to yeah. whatever. Yeah. And on a larger scale. The, the result at the end of that of that conflict fed into fighting in Zaire which is now the Democratic mm. Republic of Congo and ended up creating two giant or feeding into two giant wars that were happening there um, with the result of many hundreds of thousands of people more 
also dying. Um, it wasn't wasn't quite over, though maybe the worst of it was. That's interesting. So when the the when the letters come through and the Canadian UN colonel arrives mm-hmm. and says he's got the list of people who are going to get out mm-hmm. and where they're going, I'm sure he says one of them's gone to Congo. Mm-hmm. Well, he does, yeah. Uh, Which presumably, well, rep- from what you've just said, doesn't exist. There's the also the Republic of Congo, which oh, okay. is different from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Okay, so the Republic of Congo did exist. I believe so. That's fine. Yeah, that would have been glad. It's, it's amazing to think how the film was made so quickly after it happened. Like, a space of a few years. It was ten years later, wasn't it? Was it ten years later? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was I think it was 2004. Still, though, that's a pretty 1994 thing. Yeah. Yeah, what, what would it be like now? What happened in 2009? Yeah, 2004. Sure. I guess it would mm-hmm. be like the... Like a film about the Arab Spring now. Jeez. Uh, probably some films were made about the terrorist attacks in New York City in 2001. Yeah. Yeah, how many films have been made about that? In 2011, they probably were doing stuff like probably. that, weren't they? Actually, yeah, I guess well, a yeah. decade is... is Are there films about 9-11? I, I think I there are maybe not any good films about oh, okay. 9-11, so we don't... I watched one that was a surprise film about 9-11. Didn't know oh. it was about 9-11 till the end. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, was that Remember Me? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was that what it's called? The one with Robert Pattinson? And <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't yeah, tell yeah. me in that way. I'll... Oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I think I'll be okay if I never see a surprise film about 9-11. <laughs> um, yeah... How how long do you need to wait before you can make a film about something? Is it distasteful to make one too early? I guess not. It depends Is who it... you are and why you're making it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, surely to spread like awareness of what happened and the horrors of what happened. Mm. It's, it's reasonable to make a film about it. Um, yeah. I don't actually know who even directed this. I should have looked that up. Because yeah. to some extent you lack perspective, don't you? If you don't have the full context of objective perspective when dealing with people. <laughs> we start again, aren't we? Do we ever have objective perspective on anything, um, or are we all just get... funneling our? <laughs> also, I had a point about um, our conversation last time, which I'm is a um... <laughs> which is Miss Piggy was definitely <laughs> crossing a line. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that. Uh, well, we'll see. But um, <laughs> museums. Hmm. What about museums? Display artifacts. Point of uh, that they are the primary institutions of preserving culture, but Mm. everything in it has been robbed from by colonialists from other countries. So, well, not everything in it, but yeah, certainly a lot. Big fan of that, are we? Hmm? No, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, mate. I can't believe you think we should steal artifacts from (laughs) other cultures, Michael, and put them on display in museums. (laughs) <laughs> you bastard no sorry <laughs> I just I thought that, that might be good um, a good a point for not for leaving things as they are and not having like these in just in anything in the name of science to preserve um, but anyway yeah. let's not get back onto this now just, unless you want to encounter um, no I think to to a, a great extent you're you're correct and um the fact that we have things in uh, in museums that were just totally stolen from from powerless people in the past is uh, is a pretty even sad if that object would have been degraded and lost if had we left it. Yeah. And that's the other side, mm-hmm. and that's that's why I'm not entirely against the idea of preserving things in museums. Um, yeah, even though they've been stolen. And it's when it's when I see shit like the the guy that. Snapped off Tutankhamun's beard by accident when he was cleaning it, and I just thought, like, why did this happen? <laughs> why didn't they give it to me? I'd have kept it really safe. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have done a good job with it. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. sorry. What were we talking about before that? Uh, genocide. Genocide. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, so they waited ten years and then made the film. I guess that's long enough to to have some distance from it. Uh, 
one of the arguments that Robert S. Mueller made about his investigation, uh, the Metropolitan investigation, I think I think he mentioned that one of the arguments uh, about uh, gathering so much information that perhaps are not directly uh, um, directly related to the thing that he was investigating is just to keep records while memories are fresh. Mm. Uh, yeah, okay. of certain events. Um, That's a good point. And sorry, and who? What's the name of the person you said? I believe his name is Robert Mueller. Uh, who? Who was that? Oh, he, he's investigating Trump. He was investigating. Okay. Is that is that relevant? So it's it's oh, a good I idea to make this film. I'm sorry. This is related to the question whether it would be appropriate to make a movie this recent, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. And I was like, well, maybe it is, just to so that we can ask as many people uh, yeah. as we can, just to, to ask them what happened according yeah. to you. And we have many records, uh, and maybe those representations would be perhaps a little bit. More, more accurate given that yeah. not so much time has passed sure. whereas it might be a little bit difficult to remember all the things that happened once a lot of time has passed mm. yeah I can see that um, it's like when you watch do you ever watch The World at War it's a, a seminal documentary series made in the 1970s about the Second World War and when you watch Second World War documentaries now they are a bit dispassionate and they are historical documentaries where they might as well be talking about the Tudors but in the world at war they have the generals who were involved in it and they have people from both sides talking about what they were thinking while they were doing it and it's so oh, much more interesting so much more engaging and so much mm-hmm. more um yeah better in many ways to get it sort of from the horse's mouth yeah while the memories mm-hmm. are still still exist and why they're while they're fresh yeah, perhaps that's something to be said for this. What did we think of um, Paul as a character? I loved him. Oh. <laughs> I thought he was just so good. He was, um, yeah, in a film about the world gone mad, he was a bastion of sanity, mm-hmm. and he always, well, as far as possible, as far as any human can, he kept a clear head and did what he had to do but he couldn't always handle it and it, I was so heartbroken whenever I saw him breaking down and, but he was yeah it was really good to have a, a pure good man, a good protagonist what did you two think? Sorry? and you <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked him but I got the sense that he was incredibly resistant to letting anyone into the hotel pretty much mm. all the way through even at the end, I think, well, no, he, he grew obviously more and more insistent on protecting everyone, but mm. mostly when his guests had gone, I think. Okay. I don't know if that's a fair point. What do you guys think? Mostly when guests were gone. He had to keep that pretense of being a, a luxury hotel, though, to keep the Belgian funders on side. Yeah, I just, for mm. some reason... In my memory of it, now that it was well over a week ago, um, Mm. it wasn't even just about the pretext. It was that he genuinely was quite resistant to, I've got no space for these people. Um, Mm. I think there's something in that. Deal deal with it, send them somewhere else. I mean, yeah, he he said that earlier as well. He he didn't want to cash in favours for neighbours. He had worked very hard to build a relationship so that he could save his family if he ever needed to. He, He wasn't this altruistic character who was just doing all this selflessly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once he realised he had to, it was a yeah. moral imperative. Mm-hmm. We we did though. Then I guess we saw him grow in that way. Yeah. Sent his family off and couldn't bear to leave the people behind at the hotel. Yeah, yeah. Unlike completely opposite ministers and nuns who just oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, take the children. <laughs> Bye then. There was just one minister who stayed, right? We I think saw he him did, get back in the get car. Forced and... off. Oh, did he? Oh, I thought that, they all went. I thought that they had all gone, and and then we saw just one of them getting back into a into a bus and driving off. Okay. I don't know. Was he black? No, he was the, okay. the one of the white ones. Okay. I think because there were definitely like nuns left behind. Maybe I've got that wrong. Because you know. 
Mm. White people are worth saving. <laughs> From their point of view, you can see why they would do that, right? If it's... From whose point of view? If, if if you from the 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 ministers who are fleeing, you've got to got to think like we're in a terrible situation here, and I can get out either way. I can't save these people. There'd be a temptation just to go, wouldn't there? Um, uh, but then we saw Paul had his chance to go mm-hmm. where he could do mm-hmm. nothing, and decided to stay because I suppose he, there was a chance maybe he could. He was stronger, know, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, he did. It would have be sorely tempting anyway. I mean, I'd be on the bus. Yeah, oh, I'd, absolutely! Yeah, I First guess chance. I would. I'd like to say that I would be the yeah, one who would stay behind maybe. and do what I could, but I, I, I suppose I'll never know. I, I hope I will never know. Mm. That um, I think that was one of the most hard-hitting points of the film was when they evacuated all the white people. And it just doesn't mm. it just get into your blood of how unfair oh, yeah. and angry that. And he was so angry, wasn't he? Mm. He said, I, I, they told me I was one of them and I yeah. believed it. And it was just all a lie. Yeah. But that, we, we see that, don't we? They, that's on the news. If there's ever civil unrest in holiday destinations, mm. it's like, but we've brought all the tourists home so everyone can stop panicking. Mm. Like, all right, that's good. What about mm. the five million people left in the country yeah, sure. that don't have... The protection of the UK. No, no. Well, that one's kind of the opposite situation in a way, because I think the idea, like, if there's been a, you know, a, a, a attack by a terrorist group or something, anybody from a Western country who's in there is a massive target and is very liable to be kidnapped and to be ransomed, whereas not everybody who lives in that country is necessarily in so much danger. Whereas I think in the film we just watched, actually the Tootsies were the ones in danger and the the white people were not targets mm. and that they, they had a better chance that they they would have done better to, to evacuate yeah. Maybe, although I do feel like that maybe that's just that's kind of the way that the media portrays it, which is that white people are more of a target. When actually the, the main victims of terrorism are not are not white people; they're the people who live in the countries where it yeah. happens. So it's one of those difficult mm. things. But I think yeah. you, you've I'm got trying a point to think of like the civil wars that have been happening along like the Arab Spring, mm. Mm. like people getting flown home from Egypt and things like that. Yeah, and that wasn't because white people were a target, was it? Oh, I, think, I mean, some of the stuff that's happened in Egypt was attacks on Christian churches. It was a, a firm... A, I mean, often these attacks are by Is, Islamist groups, right? Who? Yeah, but was that the case in Egypt, though? <sighs> Sadly, there have been a few different things in yeah. Egypt. I can at least think of one thing. There were loads of attacks on churches, Christian mm. churches in Egypt. Mm. Um, and, yeah, certainly that they, they are... Yeah, statements of like radical thinking that attacks non-Muslims and therefore most people, the, the Muslim majority in the country, is is relatively safe compared to you know, foreign tourists who are more likely to be Christians or atheists. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I I'm just I, I can't remember the exact details of yeah. like the last like civil unrest. Era. Yeah, okay. I feel I just felt like it was more oh there's a civil war going home. Bring the boys home, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the one sort of eight years ago it was a popular un- uprising, wasn't it, yeah. against the government? Yeah, but, um, but barbaric I, and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that was more a case of just this is looking a bit a bit hairy, guys. Yeah, just, everyone come home if you don't live there. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think there weren't huge numbers of people trying to get out there, there weren't lots of refugees trying to leave the country mm. at that point um, mm. but they should have been about who were scared mm. yep. hmm. um, what was I going to say oh there were um, it was a film similar in many ways to Schindler's List yeah. right? mm-hmm. 
in the sense not only that it was a, you know, the, a massive genocide was the backdrop, mm. um, but also I feel like Schindler was very similar to Paul. Uh, Is that fair? Reluctant sort of hero who then mm. rises to the occasion. Yeah, 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 and at the start he's just wants to save like a couple of people and doesn't yeah. want to get involved. And by the end, we saw Paul leap off the truck and abandon his own family because he was hoping that he could help a few more people. I think mm-hmm. at the end of Schindler's List, he's just in tears. He just feels mm-hmm. utterly uh, accountable and feels like he's in the debt of the people he's trying to save. Mm-hmm. And he says, look at this watch. This I could have sold this for however many marks. I could have got another one or two people. Yeah, you know, I'm such a monster that I didn't do more. Uh, True, though. Um, <laughs> not easy, though. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I suppose. Oh, I suppose that Schindler's List came out around the time this thing was really happening in Rwanda, right? But there, there must have been an influence there, the filmmaker. Maybe. I've not seen the film. You've not seen Chimbo's Yeah, comparable to Hotel Rwanda. <sighs> that is hard. Yeah, it's a tougher watch, I'm I just weep all the way through that. Yeah, oh. yeah if... I mean, this was, like, obviously the subject matter is that, I thought. Mm. Why do I keep comparing these things? I must <laughs> also apologise, but I do not know what the Arab Spring is. Oh, do you want to no, summarise? Like... Hey. North Africa and the Middle East. Yeah, the Middle East. Yeah. When did it happen? Is it something that is going on? It, it was about ten years ago. There were a lot of rebellions and governments being overthrown. And, um, it was a yeah, sort of popular uprising in Arab countries against generally sort of established dictators in favour of democracy, and some countries the it was completely overthrown and replaced with something. And in other countries, there were some concessions made and a few more liberties given. And I think overall, like a, some of the countries are better off now and some of them are maybe worse because uh, military governments have got involved and stuff. And one example of the countries is uh, Syria, which was not a quick uprising that went away, but a terrible civil war that's still continuing. Is that a fair summary of the mm. Arab Spring? We're still supporting... Uh, Syrian president. No. Assad. No, we're supporting the the rebels are we? who are nearly defeated now. Um, I thought we were supporting Assad. No. Um, the, the Russians supporting are supporting Assad. Assad. Who are we? Um, su- I don't know. I it's so complicated. There there are graphs with thirty different points on who's supporting who because there are like five different factions mm. inside the country. It's so complicated. But yeah, we that the UK recognises the Syrian Free Army, which is the rebels, um, and no longer recognises Assad as the legitimate leader. And that's been the case basically since it started. All right. Um, But again, the Russians are the the trouble. Um, And we never intervened because of Iraq, mostly. And people didn't want us to get involved in another Middle Eastern war because we saw it as the wrong thing to do. David Cameron wanted to get involved, and that was, the, I think, the first time he was ever defeated in Parliament, was Parliament saying we shouldn't get involved. Oh, and Hillary Benn gave that great speech. Oh, yeah, against getting involved. Uh, in favour of getting involved. Was it? Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry, it was. Tony, yeah, it was the opposite father. of Tony Benn, yeah. mm. his father. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's... In a way, that's the question I was asking in this film. Um, when is it appropriate for Western powers to intervene in the internal affairs of other countries? Cause it's a very difficult question. It's so difficult. But I think I think it's clear that anyone watching the film was wishing that the Western powers had intervened and stopped this from happening. I mean, they are accountable for it. Like, mm. col- because of colonialism is what's happened, but... Yeah, so there's even a responsibility. Yeah. Um, should they have done something sooner? Should we have done something in Syria? 
Should we have not done something in Iraq? It's, uh, it's just... I feel like we know we shouldn't have gone to Iraq. Yeah, I feel like as well, because there was so much dodgy evidence that was on the mm-hmm. reason for us going, but also, you know, thank God, I think I forgot his name. Um, the old Saddam Hussein. Thank God Saddam Hussein is gone. He was... He was a really dreadful man who was doing terrible things in his country. Didn't we put him in power, though? Um, no. We fought the Gulf War against him. I feel and like withdrew. he initially came up because we... Or I see we. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think it was the British. <laughs> Maybe not me. I think, yeah, the British installed him. He was mm. keeping the Middle East stable. Right. Yeah, he can sacrifice a lot for a bit of stability. Yeah. Um, but yeah, should... So if we're... So perhaps we're even more responsible. So we had even more responsibility to remove him. And that's um, like that's the point, isn't it? Like you can't just keep thinking. It's like that island you were talking about, where they introduced oh the rats to get rid of the flies, yeah. and, then and then the, the rats, rats took again. over. And like, how about you just don't interfere in the first place? Hmm. But if something's already fucked up. Um, yeah, no, it's better to be morally strong on these points and just say we shouldn't have interfered. Sorry. No, uh, I'm I'm thinking of another example, which I'm not sure if it is similar, but I don't think it mm. is similar to the one that you said. But, for example, I believe that the people in Venezuela are having crisis with their mm. president, mm-hmm. and I don't think that at least anyone in Europe is to blame. Or maybe they are. <laughs> uh, <Like> historically. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so should people try and help with, in, in, in mm. a situation or not? So wh- yeah. what is it's happening in Venezuela? So I also do not know exactly what okay. is happening, but I I believe that yeah. the government is acting against uh, its own people in a way that they can no longer um, provide them with sustenance, and also um, they have a problem with hyperinflation so that oh, basically God. the money yeah. that they have is worth nothing and so they can't buy anything oh yeah I, that, there, I was listening to this on the radio where you sort of you go into the shop with a hundred thousand yes exactly so you basically have stacks of stacks, yeah. and stacks of, of bills but they're basically worthless mm-hmm. like we saw in Hotel Rwanda where you just said Rwanda francs and threw it on the floor mm-hmm. drove over it yeah symbolically <laughs> the worthlessness of money. So yeah, I don't know who has the responsibility to intervene in in Venezuela. Um, Did you just conflict the bill? Sorry, I just wanted to <laughs> wanted to wrap that up. The bill was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> or to, to wrap that up before we start talking about, you know, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> no, what's that symbolism? <laughs> we got any good ones? Apart from driving over the money. There's, like, yeah, military something truck that. driving over the money. I think mean, there's something that is the money is like the symbol of the country, right? Hmm. Yeah. I'm sure there's quite a lot of symbolism. Uh, yeah, can we say that Paul? I'm saying it's bullshit. I'm just oh. not very good can at spotting it. like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he didn't try to. Didn't just he? to sacrifice himself, at least to some extent. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought it was interesting when he did have a breakdown in the as he was changing. So when he mm. got home from visiting George, mm-hmm. um, and he couldn't do his tie up, like he's messed up. Yeah. His tie, and that was very much part of what he'd been doing. Mm-hmm. was putting on a front. Yeah. Like, a horrific thing happens. Yeah. You put your shirt and tie on, you go out and you be the professional. Mm. Not Leon, the professional, he's in Belgium. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was interesting, right, that the, the front of his tie was too short. Like, he was, he was mm. losing that ability to pretend and to put on this face and that he was just, like... The smartness and the formality mm. comes from from how that tie looks and how the front is like significantly bigger than what's behind it. Mm. And that's when he broke down. He, that he, it was too much for him at that point. There was just too much going on. 
behind that face. Mm, so I was yeah. trying to read into the tie. That was the best I could come up with. That, that was nice. Like, I like yeah. that. Yeah. Symbol. I think that's probably on the money now. Yeah, that sounds legit. Yeah. I think also we had um, <clears throat> very tenuously the drinking the pool water because mm-hmm. they'd run out of water and then later on is it George or one of the other men refers to whiskey that they want to drink as the water of life mm. oh it's yeah just the stark contrast between the what's yeah. a luxury and what's um, yeah, okay. what they are desperate to get the whiskey <laughs> yeah, um, sure. yeah how did we feel about the that policeman like the chief of police I think he was pretty for the genocide. That's what I was reading mm, to it, even um, though he couldn't take a very... Definitely seemed to be. He had a pretense of not being that involved in, but he definitely like made many derogatory remarks about Tootsies and mm. refused yeah. to like get involved unless there was something directly in it for him. Yeah, and his it seemed that his, his orders were restraining him, if anything. Mm. He was the opposite of the commissioner in Fiddler on the Roof, who was trying to do as little as he mm. could to hurt people he was yeah he was doing as much as he could to attack the mm. but within the rules yeah okay. but he i mean he was part of the the hutu government part of this mm. this army that was, was very nice much fighting the tootsie rebels sorry he was nice to pulse yeah, he was yeah sometimes yeah. yeah troubling ally to have can save them a few times it was at least interesting though that he again he wasn't just he wasn't entirely a monster he had he had motivations and those motivations sometimes stopped him from doing terrible things because Paul said you need me to Mm -hmm. he was at least willing to listen to that so yeah I hated him is the answer but he was a a good villain I guess Mm -hmm. I found, I found him compelling. Yeah, he was Yeah, I enjoyed watching him. <laughs> I loved it when he threw the bucket of ice. When did he throw the bucket of ice? On Gregoire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you like him? Uh, I mean... Or how much did you hate him? <laughs> I mean, I, I, th- I thought it was a good character. Uh, but, yes, I don't know. I also thought he was a terrible person. Mm. Uh, it was in, had he had good intentions and why was he so why didn't he ask for payment Mm. Mm. and it was very very clearly corrupt I think because everything that he did everything that he asked for payment it was just for himself not for the art not not for the Mm. soldiers Uh, mm. yeah we saw didn't we that this corruption and bribery was just a part of everyday life. Um, yeah, right from the start, it was very clear. Mm-hmm. And we even got uh, we even got his story about how he got his wife transferred to to be near him by Volkswagen. <laughs> Volkswagen. I hope it was a new one. <laughs> they were very sweet, weren't they? As yeah. a couple, I loved them. Yeah, the the one moment I hated, uh, I think I mentioned this to you, was when they'd just got back from being ambushed and she was so clearly upset with him for not abandoning her Mm. but leaving her when he promised never to and his solution to this was to like force a hug upon her Mm. like someone who's angry and frustrated and upset it's like she needs comfort I shall comfort her Mm. hug Mm. and it's like do you ever think that maybe you should just not physically restrain her while mm. she's upset and like against her will and, like it just it made me so uncomfortable even watching it just like oh. yes you're physically stronger well done <laughs> that is not comforting <laughs> I can understand your need to comfort her but that does not make that okay and that, that was the only point for me that was just like oh. respond to <laughs> signals <laughs> If you want to comfort someone. I think a couple of times we saw his, his sexism, right? He he mm. viewed himself as the yeah. leader of that relationship yeah, and totally. the leader of his family. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was just another example of that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Do you have any other thoughts in your book, Claire? Oh, my book. Well, anyone else? I don't think so. I think I've said much of mm-hmm. A lot of my notes were just trying to keep track of what sides were. Thank you for the choice. I think it was a really good one. Oh, good. I've I've had this at the back of my head as a film I should watch one day. Um, I think it was a good way to do it. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, the only other comment I've got is that the, the medic saying who's going to take 20 Rwandan orphans and it just seems like such a small request like when she mm. tries to drop them off she's like oh who else is going to take 20 yeah like, oh. <laughs> um, I don't know a small primary school yeah. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a big ask mm. but in the circumstances apparently it was yeah ah oh, dear that was a quite a powerful line. Yeah. Okay. Especially when we know that ten thousand times that number or What well, was like fifty thousand, wasn't it? Were killed in the Rwanda genocide. Yeah. Oh more like a million. Was it a million? It was yeah, it was truly huge. Oh, right. Okay. Um, For who were you talking about? They're just kids? I don't know, it was just a number I'd seen at some point or someone said at some point. Okay. Oh, sorry, I don't know how many children died or anything like that, but it was around 900,000 people. This is a country of about 8 million population at the time, I think. Terrific, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I've quite shooting dogs at some point, which I think is another film about the Rwandan genocide. John Hurt. Okay. I almost picked it, I but I heard that this one was slightly better, so I put it. Yeah, maybe we could uh, maybe we'd see another side of maybe it. Maybe from now I'll just pick films about genocide. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one name. in four. Yeah. I, I will probably respond to that by trying to lighten up my picks a bit. <laughs> you did that last time. Yeah, probably The Muppets or maybe even a bit darker than The Muppets, I'd be happy with. Sorry. What's right. darker than the Muppet? Sorry, should I play the music? Does anyone else have any so. final? Uh, oh. no. um, it was a good film, thank you, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah I think it's an important. Yeah. It, didn't, it did not feel like it was two hours and two minutes long. Uh, I suppose it was quite long. Yeah, but, but it was so entertaining that I. Yeah, I didn't really notice the time. Oh, okay. I didn't too much either. Thanks. Mm.